We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Joe Biden's not State of the Union speech last night. Uh, Government is omniscient. Government is benevolent. Government is beneficent. And uh, all he is asking is for people to pay their fair share. Where have I heard that before? How do we pay for my jobs and family plan? I made it clear we can do it without increasing the deficits. Let's start with what I will not do. I will not impose any tax increase on people making less than $400,000. But it's time for corporate America and the wealthiest 1% of Americans to just begin to pay their fair share. Just their fair share. Sometimes I have arguments with my friends in the Democratic Party. I think you should be able to become a billionaire and a millionaire, but pay your fair share. A recent study shows that 55 of the nation's biggest corporations paid zero federal tax last year. Those 55 corporations made in excess of $40 billion in profit. A lot of companies also evade taxes through tax havens in Switzerland and Bermuda and the Cayman Islands. Enough about J.B. Pritzker. And they benefit from tax loopholes and deductions for offshoring jobs and shifting profits overseas. It's not right. We're going to reform corporate taxes so they pay their fair share and help pay for the public investments their businesses will benefit from as well. And if not to raise taxes on them, to raise taxes on who, I ask you? When you hear someone say they don't want to raise taxes on the wealthiest 1% or corporate America, ask them whose taxes you want to raise. Instead, who's they going to cut? Yeah, Jim Urio, Fox Business contributor uh-huh. and owner of Brands and Palatine. If you don't want to raise taxes on your buddies in the 1%, Jim, then whose taxes do you want to raise? Well, I can't believe that it's just he goes from the baseline is that we need lots more money and nobody questions that. They all even clap. My answer to that is raise taxes on nobody. And this absolute nonsense that you're not raising taxes on anyone making less than $400,000 a year. And then in the same breath say we're going after corporates. And, and mind you, that every time they go after those top 44 companies, whatever he's saying, the collateral damage is to mom and pop shops because they don't know how to differentiate in the tax code. And they, they try to implement it in the most asinine way possible. So yes, people who are making less than $400,000, you're taxes are going to go up. You might not see it exactly in taxes, but you're going to lose your jobs, get paid less. This is, it, it's, 
This is bizarro world, particularly in light of the fact that they've told us over and over again, I'm talking about left-leaning economists through modern monetary theory, that deficit spending and increasing the debt is what they would rather do than raise taxes. And the only reason to raise taxes is to make the wealthy less wealthy or to address inflation, which they keep telling us isn't around. So, listen, I, by the way, I, I just listened to the clips of that speech because if I listened to it, all at once, I fear that my relatively expensive TV, TVs will get smashed as I throw my beer bottle through them. So I, don't, I try to stay away from that political speak. Well, he, he, the, you know, I'm tired of explaining it, so you're, you're the big Fox business contributor, so you explain it. Um, corporations, the top 50 corporations, who, by the way, you know, are mainly rent seekers and mainly woke and I have no affinity for. I'm the one who called for Republicans to stop ac- accepting contributions from their PACs and from their C-suite executives. So I don't care about them, you know, because I'm you know, part of the in crowd. Uh, but the reality is that corporations, the taxes you try and impose on them, they're all, pat- I mean, mainly three, qu- you know, the estimates, the experts, three quarters to four quarters to all are pass throughs in terms of lower wages and less investment. Good. And there's another element to that as well, too. So let's just say that's the real, the actual fundamental nuts and bolts of it, too. Of course, of course it is. It's going to be raising taxes on these corporations who will then try to get it back in, in another way, including inflation. We're, you know, I don't know if you've been out to restaurants in the last couple of months, but uh, prices have gone up considerably. Yeah. And restaurants can't find employment because nobody wants to work with the uh, universal basic income they're, they're supposedly not getting. But there's a bigger reality to this, too. And I saw this at the beginning of the Obama administration, is that when the corporate sector starts to feel that they're in the crosshairs of the government, their natural reaction is to not expand as quickly, is to play things much more cautiously. So despite the fact you can look at a specific tax and say, oh gosh, if we you know, lean this way and squint a little bit, it won't hurt mom and pops that much. But the reality of it is, is that everybody in the corporate sector who owns businesses right now is waiting for the next punch to come. And every week, by the way, there's a new punch. I mean, you think just last week, this notion that the capital gains tax is going to be increased to 43 percent, knowing full well that every study that's ever been done, and the the, uh, information on this is a mile high, is that when you increase that tax, you lower revenues from that tax. I mean, obviously within reason, but from 20 percent to 43 percent is definitely within that range. They know that full well. But they need to signal that they're going after wealth, even if it means sacrificing the well-being of the middle and the lower classes. And that's what happens when you uh, discourage investment from that top rung. Those people who make a million dollars a year, those are the people we want to encourage the most to make investments and to change investments and to sell one company and to buy another. And this this government going after them, I, I just... I mean, I, I have no idea what they're going for other than punitive, nefarious sort of actions. Well, well that 43 percent for capital gains tax, that's not going to stand, is it? Yeah, no, I mean, but that, if they wanted 30, Amy, you know, that's what they do, I, I guess. I don't know as much about politics as you guys. If they want 30, they say 43 and then try to make us feel good about 30. So let me just change my whole rant and say if they raise the capital gains tax to 30, we're discouraging the people we want to encourage the most. So either way, it's destructive policy. But I agree with you. I don't think they want 30 percent. I think they just throw that out there to have people gasp and roll their eyes and then feel good about 30. Yeah, and we had the same conversation uh, at the state level in advance of the 2020 ballot question on graduating state income tax in Illinois. Uh, and we went through the same numbers, and it's a microcosm of what the distribution is of nationally, which is y- y- 
all the money is between $50,000 household incomes and $200,000 household incomes. That's where it's at. It's not 414 and above. It's not a million and above. It's not a billion and above. So ultimately, to make any of this work, quote unquote, um, whether directly or indirectly, you're coming for people that are between fifty and two hundred thousand dollars in household income because that is where the greatest aggregate amount of wealth actually resides. Right, no doubt about that too. And the behaviors of the, of that um, income bracket too, like people who they're, who they're pretending to go after, they they don't have they don't need to sell assets and take capital gains tax because they have flexibility to do a lot more different things within the financial world to avoid taxes. So not only is it aimed at them, it's aimed at the people who, who don't have those flexibilities and will actually have to pay it. And those are the people, you know, the, the people who are the, the climbers, those are the ones who are, who are fueling things. This is, if you want a dynamic economy, they're going, about every policy they've put forth is, seems to be counter to that. Which then right. again, I wonder, like, do they, in some ways, because think about this, and my, I have tons of friends who are public pensioners, do they, in some ways, want to slow the economy, want to put hurdles in its way, so then they can keep spending, keep increasing debts, keep decreasing the dollar, this pension problem that we all talked about years ago begins to go away if you explode the M2 money supply, make the actual individual dollars worth far less than they were a year ago, and then start paying your public pensioners in that 75 grand pension, that's the, that, that is a way to actually solve that problem at the expense of all the pensioners. I'm sorry to break it to you guys, but those are the people that you voted for. And I have a feeling that you're in their crosshairs. Yeah, that may be a part of it. I mean, uh, but I guess it's all sort of of a similar kind. You know, so you have those that are uh, essentially have cast their lot with big government and so they're going to support big government so many of them at least and then and then all the giveaways that you heard yesterday where the government is involved in sort of every aspect of your life the few aspects that it wasn't it's it's going to be, go it's going that. to get it they're fine right <laughs> yeah it's going to get involved or it's going to get more involved but but what they know is create dependency you have a constituency. So let's just continue doing this and, and scaling it because that secures our political power. Well, the one, the one thing, I think I was about 15 years old when I realized that when the government sets a policy that makes you depend on them, and even if that policy fails and creates more poverty and more disenfranchised, then those people are more reliant on government. So it's realistically one of the only places that if you fail – your job security is probably greater than it was before. And this universal basic income thing, this, these are yokes. These are not, this is not a giveaway, and they know that. And the people getting it, I, you know, again, I mentioned before about trying to find labor right now within the restaurant industry. And this is not just our restaurant. We talked to a lot of people in the industry. There are just, and restaurants closed, probably a fifth of restaurants have closed, even in the northwest suburbs. And those people still will not work because it seems to them that why do this? Why, you know, bust my tail at a restaurant when I can just get paid by the government? And the, and, response, and the response to that is, well, maybe if you paid a living wage, $15 minimum wage, that's a response. That'll get people back to work. That. Yeah, I love right. that. A lot, a lot of these people who've never run a business before, particularly a small margin business, sit back and say, well, if you can't pay a living wage, maybe you shouldn't have a business. That is the most economically illiterate thing I've ever heard, and it makes my blood boil. These people don't understand how it works, and they don't understand the people who, who want these jobs. Oftentimes, they're not trying to support a family on it. We, we have a lot of college kids. We have a lot of kids who are just learning skills to bring that to the next level of work, which, by the way, the restaurant industry is the perfect place to educate your high school kid on how to deal with problems 
And it almost seems like they want those type of entry-level jobs to completely go away, and then more people are dependent on government the less they are, the less they are self-reliant. Um, yeah, we're in, a, we're in a bad way. You know, again, some of my friends who are you know, more conservative than I are like so depressed right now about what's going on. And I say it's not a time to be depressed. There's, over the last few years, you know, last few decades, we I've never been more sure about my opinions regarding macroeconomic policy and what works and what doesn't than right now. And I've never been more sure that government is incompetent than right now. So I go to bed quite soundly at night knowing, you know, I'm on the right side of this now before I don't have the luxury of the left who thinks they're on the right side of every argument for the last 50 years. Yeah, well, you can be right, and you can also go to bed in a poorhouse, and, mm-hmm. um, and that's what I'm concerned about. The, 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 yeah. the speech that was almost as uh, disquieting as Biden's yesterday was Jay Powell's Q&A session, and, you know, there's another one of these mystics. When was the last good uh, Fed board chairman we had? Paul Volcker 35 years ago? I would um, say Paul so Volcker, he, sure. Yeah, so 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 here, here Jay Powell isn't you know he it's it's just mindless happy talk. Um, don't you know inflation's going to tick up to two percent? But um, but uh, yeah. there's, says there's no problems. Yeah. So no here's here's the issue. This is amazing. Is that you know inflation right now because he's looking squarely at some global supply disruptions that happened in commodities that actually existed and did drive up. Um, some uh, commodity costs. He's not also looking at the volatile demand, demand that shot, went hugely down 14 months ago and then sprung up way more than we ever thought it would. So demand is driving too. But that's not the thing that's causing inflation, and that's not the thing that he's watching. As Milton Friedman said, inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon, meaning that the government just yesterday was the one-two punch where Jay Powell came out and said, free money uh, as far as I can see. And at the same time, the government came out with, you know, I think we're going to spend 1.8 trillion dollars to try to educate your children more and for the family, which I don't know, you know, I I read the name of these bills and that's how I know what's not in it is money for the family. So in the same day, 1.8 trillion additional spending from the government and the Fed saying that there's going to be free money forever too. And of course the dollar got hit at the end of the day and all these commodities rose. So for Jay, Jay Powell to sit back and say he's pretty darn sure that this inflation period is transitory, I think is just the ultimate hubris. And I think it's myopic and he's looking at the wrong things. Jim Mirio, Fox Business contributor, owner of Brands in Palatine. Jim, thanks as always. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.